this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, we are in Light the Fire, series that has been so refreshing to my soul because it's forcing me to shift my thinking from teaching you all what God's Word says into teaching you all to teach others what God's word says. Does that make sense? We are are learning the book of Acts lifestyle. The the church of the book of Acts lived this on fire for Jesus life. I want that. I don't know about you, but I want that for me. I want that for our church. I want to live that lifestyle in everything that we do. And so that's what we are learning throughout this series. We are on number four. I keep saying three, but it is number four today. We're going to talk about healing. When we think of Jesus's ministry, who he was here on earth, you think of a number of things, right? You think of his teachings maybe, or um, the way that he interacted with people, or him on the cross, or his miracles, right? Think of, of all the amazing things that he did in just three short years, if you can believe it on this earth. He went around casting out demons and and healing the sick and turning water into wine and feeding the 5,000 and even raising the dead. I mean, amazing, miraculous things marked his ministry, right? Healing was a huge part of what Jesus did. It's something he commanded his disciples to do as well. They went around healing hundreds of people in the book of Acts alone. And so far in this series, we've basically just been in the first two chapters of Acts. We're actually going to read the very next passage today, so we're just keep mo- continuing to move through the book of Acts. We're going to read the first part of Acts chapter 3 today. Are you ready? Yeah. Got your Bibles, your Bible app open? Or you can read it on the screen. Okay. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. They said, look at us. Peter said, look at us. The amount of times that that happens in healing stories throughout the Gospels and the book of Acts, where they, they say, look at us, or they need to hear something back from them, or it specifically says, Jesus looked into his eyes. There's something about that that is just, there is a reason that the writers of the Gospels included that particular piece right? Look at us, Peter said. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. How many of you know that even physical therapy couldn't have done this? Right? You don't just get up from not having walked your entire life. This man was lame from birth. You don't just... (laughs) It's not even a medical 
miracle that could happen. It would take months of physical therapy to even think about this. God did this, okay? All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the men, the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity, verse 12 says. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. Okay, this healing miracle produced an opportunity for something else. We'll come back to that. And he addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What do you mean? What's so, it's obviously surprising for a very obvious reason, right? But he says, what's so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate. He gets real, real, real quick. Same Jesus you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. He is very clear about what happened here and why. That we see so many healings in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. Too many that they didn't even count them in all those books. I doubt they could have accurately quantified them. By comparison, there are 12 occurrences of individual healing in the Old Testament. 12. In all of the Old Testament. <laughs> which spans thousands of years, and three corporate healings. So 12 individual healings, three corporate healings in the Old Testament, 4,000 years that covers. Jesus's ministry only lasts three years, and we see hundreds. I mean, not specific instances, but sometimes it says Jesus healed a person, and then hundreds more in that town were healed. Or, like, they can't even quantify it. It's so many. So it was an explosion of miracles, those three years, right? Jesus changed everything. Everything. Even after he had gone back into heaven, here his followers are still changing everything. Healing was such a big part of their ministry, and it's something that we're called to do as well. But how many of us have seen healing done in person? I love that you're actually raising your hands. That was rhetorical, but yes, some of us have seen it. <laughs> I was more making a point that we don't pray for it nearly enough, right? We don't pray for it nearly enough. And at some point in preparing this message, I realized that I was trying to raise your faith level to healing when I should be raising it to be the ones praying for healing. Right? We, we preach, I feel like, a lot. Uh, the evangelists that come through, there are some people that are specifically gifted for this, like Johannes and like Tim Bennett and some others that have a gift of healing, right? They're anointed specifically for it, and we see so many on those weeks. We do see it, but how many of us actually go out into the world looking for people to pray for, to healing? 
I doubt it's very many. This is what the series is about, though. Living life like these guys in the book of Acts. Meaning we're not just meant to be receivers of this message. We're also the deliverers. Does that make sense? It's a shift of thing. It was for me in preparing this message. I was, I was, I kept reverting back to teaching about healing and why it's important and why it still happens today. And I'm, I had to reshape my thinking. No, I'm not. I'm yes, I am teaching that. We are raising our our faith to that, but even further, right? It, it's beyond that. We're meant to be the deliverers of healing too. Okay. So today. I'm not just going to teach you about healing. I'm also going to teach you. Thank you, Gabe. Look at him go. I'm not just going to teach about healing. I'm also going to teach you how to heal, how to ask the healer for healing and expect it to happen. Okay, there are some how-tos here. Although, let me preface this by saying there are not many how-tos. The, the one problem with doing a sermon on healing is that Jesus didn't often speak about healing, he just lived it. So we don't have like a specific how-to teaching from Jesus on healing. Like, like what are the, like I often want like, how do I do this step by step? I don't see that really in any of his teachings about healing. The common element is always faith. Faith does seem to be an element of it, but it, but not necessarily the way that you think. Sometimes it's the faith of the prayer, the one asking for healing, but not always. This isn't like a one-size-fits-all mentality. When it comes to healing, it just isn't. There are some ministries and some preachers out there that will tell you it is, but I'm so, I just don't see that in the Gospels or in the Book of Acts. They are all so different and so unique to the individual being healed. But it is kind of like the weather in that, you know, meteorologists study the past and, and present patterns, right? And then they can kind of predict the future based on what happened before. <clears throat> there are some patterns to praying for healing that we can see in the book of Acts. Uh, it doesn't always look this way, but most of the time, okay? Do we all get that from that foundation? We can look at some things here. So we're going to pick out some things from this passage and other passages that we can learn about healing. And then today, we are going to pray bold healing prayers over each other, and we're gonna expect God to move. Ready? All right, number one. Somebody better be praying for me. God is the healer. That's important to understand. Right? Even in this passage we read today, we see Peter and John correcting them a little bit. They're saying, look, we didn't do this, God did this. So God is the healer, but... You're empowered for ministry, okay? God is the healer, but he empowers us for ministry. Verse 16, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. If I do nothing else with this sermon, I want to convince you of this fact. God heals. He wants you to be healed, Faith in Jesus' name healed this man, but it probably wouldn't have happened if Peter and John weren't there that day. <laughs> it's, it, I'm, it is a tough concept to grasp. I, I acknowledge that. The fact that they were there that day doesn't mean that they did the miracle, but they were the conduit for the miracle, right? He may not have been healed just 
with nobody there. God uses us. This is a term called incarnational ministry, actually. That is, God sent his son in person in the flesh to do the ministry here on earth. And he sends you in person in the flesh to do the miracles here on earth. Does that make sense? (coughs) But it wasn't just about that miracle either. God was using this miracle to do something even bigger than healing. That's the main message of miracles, in my opinion, in the book of Acts. Miracles always point to something bigger. Yeah, I think we often see miracles as the biggest thing. That is the biggest thing that can happen, right? I mean, something that shouldn't happen physically, and it happened. That's, that's what we pursue. We pursue it like it is the biggest thing, the most important thing that can happen. Almost like, yeah, yeah, the, I'm saved, and that's great, but that means God will do miracles in my life, right? As if salvation is the means to that end. I don't think God sees it that way. At least that's how I read every, not every, but a lot of miracle stories in, in the book of Acts and the Gospels. They are a means to an, another end, not the other way around. I think miracles produce salvations is more how God sees it. So again, not always. I, you can almost make zero blanket statements about healing. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm always tempted to say this always happens or this doesn't. It's just, it, that doesn't work. But the way that I read it is more often in the Bible that miracles produce salvations. Miracles produce shock and wonder and awe of what God is doing. Yeah. Miracles are like the hype man to Jesus. They bring people to him spiritually. And when we just go after miracles, we actually miss the point. We miss the point. We worship the product rather than the producer. The miracle versus the miracle provider. The miracle provider values spiritual change, not just physical change. He sees a bigger picture. And I I think if we began to see things from that perspective, we might begin to see healing differently too. God wants to heal you. Sometimes there is something standing in the way of that. And please hear me, something may be standing in the way of that. That something is not always you. That something is not always something you can change. A lot of times it is, but not always. I want to raise your level of faith today that healing does happen, but I want you to understand a few things and and see it within the correct context before we just go around saying God's going to heal everybody in the room today. It's not necessarily going to happen. And I often send people home. I think people leave a healing service not being healed, and they leave with new levels of guilt and shame, and that's not what I'm trying to do today either, right? It's, it's, it may not be about that at all. Let me remind you, Aaron and I walked through a crazy two years of him almost dying, and, and every single week he was up on the stage worshiping and seeing other people get healed around the altars, strumming his guitar, not being healed, right? We walked out like, God, why not us? Do we not have a big enough platform? Where, like, do you think if he wasn't miraculously healed, I wouldn't be preaching that every single week? Why can't we have that testimony, right? And can I just be real with you? We left 
those services feeling like, God, what about us? And, and it's tempting to want to say, have we not been good enough? Like, have I not lived my life for you since I was three years old, God? Have I not followed you? And like, why would you not give this to me when I've done X, Y, and Z for you? It's not necessarily how it works. God sees the bigger picture. Now, a few years removed from that, I can see the bigger picture a little too. I can see that God was trying to do some things in our lives. And personally, I think he was growing us up a lot through that. We matured because we had to through that. It just wouldn't have happened without it. I don't know exactly what he was preparing us for, but boy, do I feel prepared now. I couldn't have seen that then. There's no way I could have seen that then. And I think sometimes God lets us in our pain for a reason. And I can't tell you what that reason is. I do know he wants you healed though. That pain isn't the point. The fruit is the point. And God values spiritual fruit over physical fruit. But we go around sometimes saying like everything happens for a reason. Um, you know, we say these like platitudes that lead us when we're in pain, grief and just sickness and physical pain, it can lead us down a very wrong road of thinking, well, then God wants me sick, I guess. If everything happens for a reason, God wants me sick. He did this to me. No. <laughs> God did not do this to you. We live in a fallen world full of pain. That pain is spread around randomly sometimes just because of sin. Not necessarily your sin, sometimes, but not necessarily. Just sin in the world has caused things to be messed up, right? So then, if God wants to heal me, is it my lack of faith in the way? Right? A lot of us think that if, if we just believe it hard enough that God has to do it. In fact, I've told this story many times before, but there were lots of people through Aaron's kidney failure that would come up to him and say, oh, don't you, don't even schedule that transplant. God's going to heal you. That's not what we get from God. <laughs> I, I mean, early on, we, we felt like God said to us, you have to walk through this. And so we said, well, until God tells us that, we're going to schedule the transplant. <laughs> He'd be dead today if we hadn't, you know. Uh, but I, I, there is this teaching out there that is if you just believe it hard enough, you can twist God's arm. It's, it's manipulative, really. It's telling God, I'm planting myself here and I'm not moving. You have to move to me. It's not what we're teaching, okay? God is the healer. It's what he does. It's what he wants for you. But that doesn't necessarily mean he sees things the same way that you do. Does that make sense? I know it barely does, <laughs> okay? So I'm trying to hit these points out because it is tough to get your mind wrapped around this kind of thing. But <clears throat> faith is a supernatural force. It is more than belief and it is more than action. It is both together. I've actually come to believe uh, the Greek word translated as faith in our Bibles, it doesn't have to do with like a powerful imagination or eradicating doubt or any other form of like mind over matter. 
okay? It's, it's not something that you can just be. Faith has nothing to do with feelings or like mental imagery. I think this is a counterfeit of the world actually where um, Satan wants to convince us that we can just, what's the word, materialize? What is it? Manifest. This manifestation thing. Like the, Satan's counterfeit of faith is manifestation. Or you can just think it and it will ha- the universe will respond to you. The universe is God. He has a name. God does respond to our faith, but it has more to do with than just our thoughts. Okay? It's a cheap counterfeit of biblical faith. Our faith is more like a, um, a formula. Obedience plus belief is closer to what faith actually is. Okay, Luke, I want to read Luke 17, verse 5 to you. The disciples said to Jesus, show us how to increase our faith. Right? They were looking at Jesus doing all these miracles like, God, how do we, how do, we do that? We, we want to increase our faith. And the Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to the small berry tree, may you be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Anybody see an answer in there? Show us how to increase our faith. And the Lord says, you don't even have faith. You don't even have it as small as a mustard seed. <laughs> I think I would be like a little offended. <laughs> like I have faith. Surely I have mustard seed faith. But I can't move any mountains. What are you talking about, Jesus? Right? And he goes on. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat. You can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. The same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. What does that have to do with faith? I love Jesus makes you dig for truth. <laughs> it's not just laying around on the surface. He's like, you gotta, you gotta dig for it a little bit. What he's saying is to just be a servant. Just obey. Stop letting arrogance get in the way and, and, and act like you have to be some great big faith healer to do this. Just be obedient. That's all he's asking. If you believed, you would obey. If you had an ounce of faith, you would just obey. Simple obedience. Stop letting arrogance get in the way and just believe that God is the healer and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Believe in him. Not in what he does, necessarily. I think some people, we, we raise our faith to healing. We raise our faith to deliverance. We raise our faith to Holy Spirit baptism. And then we begin to worship that thing instead of the God who provides those things. If we just believe in him, simple obedience is what Jesus is saying. Don't expect big thank yous and praises. Just be a servant. Just obey. Because sometimes just believing in him will lead you down roads you never, ever expected. Greg Waldy's story, for example... I share this because you sit up front so publicly and because he's shared this story many times. I actually have your video linked in the sermon notes today. Uh, Greg Waldy was healed of crazy bone cancer all throughout his body. He's hidden his story and you can watch it. It's like an eight minute video maybe on YouTube. 
check it in the sermon notes later. Uh, the Holy Spirit led you through a process of forgiveness, right? Just you and him alone in your house, just talking to him. God led him through forgiveness and letting go of bitterness. And it's a big part of his story for a reason, I believe, because he wasn't necessarily trying to be healed in those moments. Although that, your bone cancer was what led you to those moments, right? He was just pursuing God. <laughs> and God led him through a process. It wasn't like he, yep, you're healed. But it was a process of healing for him. God led him through that. Right? When we believe in the God of the universe, he gives us what we need, not always necessarily what we want right away. Are we really ready to receive what he has in store for us? Are we really ready to surrender everything, as I believe is Greg's story, give it all to him, be obedient in every way, to forego our own will and follow his? We're talking about obedience today. Oh, Aaron, a couple weeks ago, he got up here at the end and talked about the even if he doesn't faith. Right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story where they, before entering the fiery furnace in Daniel 13, I think it is, they said to the king, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, right, God, the God whom we serve is able to save us, but even if he doesn't, he, they said he will rescue us from your power, your majesty, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Even if he doesn't. This is not manipulation. This is faith. Right? God will rescue us from the fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, we're still not worshiping you. Even if he doesn't, we're still going to be obedient. Even if he doesn't, we still believe in who he is as the rescuer, the provider. Right? Even if he doesn't, we trust him enough to see a bigger picture because it's not about us ultimately. That's even if he doesn't faith. And I, I think the biggest problem with most of our faith is we don't have that, but even if he doesn't faith, we're defining faith all wrong, in fact. Some of us believe it's, it's just a deep down belief. Some of us are on the other end of the spectrum that we believe that it's surface level obedience only. Like if I just show up at church, if I just jump through the hoops of religion, which is more of a bandage to cover the wound, and God will, will do what I want, or at least I'll stop bleeding. <laughs> when Jesus is the, the healer to heal the wound itself from the inside out. Jesus actually helps your body heal itself, is a closer metaphor. The church attendance without the relationship is essentially using actions only to please God. That's, we're not talking about that kind of obedience, but real faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews 11, 6 says. In the stories of Jesus' healings, I believe this is why Jesus almost always needs to hear them say it out loud. Or, how, or why it says that he looked intently into their eyes. In verse 4 here, it said, Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. They learned that from Jesus. You see it all throughout the Gospels. Jesus looks at them. Or he asks almost offensive questions, like uh, the guy at the pool of Bethsaida. Uh, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? 
And literally, that's been that, that guy's entire existence was to lay by that pool, right? And then to try to get healed. And for Jesus to walk up to him and say, do you want to be healed? What? Of course I do. Jesus needed to hear him say it. Why? I believe he was looking for faith. He was looking into their eyes for faith. Do you really want to be healed? Or are you just lying here because there's nothing else to do? Do you really want to be healed? Or are you just stuck in your sickness? Are you happy in your sickness? I, that's sometimes an element to why we're still sick. So we're comfortable, right? We get comfortable in it. Jesus is calling us out of that. So healing, the healing power of Jesus can't be coerced by faith as a force, but it is a necessary, necessary element in almost every healing I see throughout the word. And it's not always the faith of the one being healed. Here, in fact, I think it's Peter and John's faith. He said, look at us. But then he pulled him up. There's something to that. Uh, sometimes we, as Jesus' disciples, need to be the ones that have the faith for those that don't have it. Right? We need to go into the world, look at the people around us, really look at them, actually hear them. When they say, how was your week? When you say, how was, how was your week? You know, you show up Monday at work, how was your week? You actually listen to the response, right? And when they just give you a good, how was yours? You say, no, no, really, how you doing? What's going on with you, right? Get to know people and then help them up when they need it. We often, we don't see people, we don't hear people. We're the, the guys in the story of the Good Samaritan. We're just rushing by people. Too busy with our own church affairs, to care enough to look at them, to see them, to say, get up in Jesus' name and walk. To say, we have a power that's so much bigger, not because of who we are, because of who he is and what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago. You can be healed. Get up. And then we help him. That's what Peter and John did here. Now, the rest of the story of the Pool of Bethsaida guys, Jesus found the guy later and he said, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Jesus sees sickness as just another opportunity to draw near to him. You can, you can feel Jesus in each healing story seeing things so much differently than we do. Sometimes it is, it's a spiritual thing. The healings, again, of Jesus, it almost never happens the same way twice. They're so different. James 5, 6 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Right? The, uh, the Bible also says the joy of the Lord is our strength. We usually read that as emotional strength, but what if it's physical too? What if so much going on physically with us has to do with what's happening spiritually as well? God being the healer doesn't let us off the hook. We as disciples are required to be obedient. Part of that is to go into all the world and produce disciples. It's, it's to pray over people. But again, it's not a sort of a, a simple how-to guide. Naaman, for example, I'm just throwing out some more examples. 2 Kings 5, 
is, it's one of the Old Testament instances that we do see of healing. Do you remember the story where he has to go and wash himself in a river? Something so simple and silly, but it's not what he was expecting. Right? The, the picture he had painted in his mind of how he should be healed was totally destroyed. He was told to go bathe in a river. He had to swallow his pride in order to be healed. Right? The Bethsaida guy was looking for healing in one particular way. He thought the pool was going to give him healing. If he had just gone with that, he would have missed it completely. Now, I've seen people healed as a result of a demon being cast out first. I've seen people healed as a result of forgiveness. I've seen people healed by just believing. I've seen people healed as, as a long process, too, as a journey. Um, I've even seen people not healed, not, not miraculously, like sort of like in Aaron's case, with just being faithful with meds and doctor appointments and humbling themselves enough to get the healing that way. Right? God is the great physician. And he knows what you need best. It's sort of like how, you know, you can say, I have a headache. Two people sitting beside each other can both have a headache, but for completely different reasons, right? Somebody may have very high blood pressure and need some medication, and another one may just need to drink some water. God, being the great physician, knows the, the underlying cause for each illness, might be the same headache as the next guy, but a completely different road to recovery. It depends on the root of the issue. And this is why God is the healer, because he knows the root of the issue. God's will in healing is not a formula that you can master. It's just getting to know him better. The more he reveals to you about who he is, the more you will understand this particular dynamic. Your body being healed is often a byproduct of your soul being healthy. Again, not always, though, because sometimes it's the other way around. I think often we're the ones, as God's church, we're the ones being too selfish with this stuff. We get in our heads too much. Like, like uh, this person at work has something going on with them, but I'm too afraid to, to say, can I pray for you? Or... To preach the gospel to them like that's it's in the work but I don't know what my boundaries are and I why not just offer it they might say no get away from me far far away you're weird and probably in a cult but they might not right they might say yes please and God might do something amazing in their life why not try it is all for God's glory anyway, and it really has nothing to do with you. Sometimes God will glorify himself through your suffering, through your sickness, and even your death. But sometimes, I think more often, he will glorify himself through healing you in an amazing way, in a life-changing way that you never expected. Right? But we always have to keep the other in mind as well. Peter... Peter called us to be foreigners in 1 Peter 2. James said to count it all joy when you encounter trials, right? To just think of how our story can be used for the glory of God. Jesus didn't have to teach about healing. And this is why I think that Jesus didn't teach about healing, because sometimes it's tough to understand. But he did live it. He was His ministry was marked by healing, and he instructed us to live it out too. Mark 16, 15. 
And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. It doesn't say may, could, might. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Here's the challenging question I was faced with this week. If signs and wonders aren't following disciples, are they disciples? Ouch things a little bit, doesn't it? If signs and wonders aren't following disciples, are they disciples? Because my Bible says these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. He didn't say they can or might. He said they do. Peter in Acts 2.22 said, People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. As you well know, it was a proof of Jesus being the Messiah. Something much bigger at play here. Jesus has authority over infirmities. He has authority. All of them are a result of sin, not your sin necessarily, but sin nonetheless. Jesus has authority over it. He came to free us from the consequences of sin. I think many of us just don't believe him. We just don't believe. Not like we think we do. As a teen, imagine yourself as a teenager. If your parents told you to do something that was good for you, but you didn't believe it would be good for you, did you do that thing? Right? Go to bed early tonight. You're going to... Be miserable tomorrow if you don't. But we didn't believe in going to bed early. Did we do that thing? (laughs) Right? I think a lot of us act like this with God. Yeah, 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 I know what you say, but I'm going to go do my own thing. And we just don't believe enough that he knows what's best for us. Some people want to explain away their fear of praying a healing prayer because it's just not their gift. And look, I get it. I don't, I don't think healing is real high on my gift list either. But Jesus didn't really give an option to opt out for disciples who don't have the gift. Right? Obedience means I heal the sick. It means I pray over the sick. I speak to the sickness and I cast it out and I preach the gospel and I heal the sick. That's what he told me to do. He didn't say it was only for those that are gifted for it. He said his disciples, this is just what they do. Signs and wonders will follow those who believe. So my job is to believe, and I let God do the signs and wonders part. That's what we're going to do today. There are lots of little miracles around Freedom Valley every week that you may not see. People coming to know him that never would have in a million years. Right? Or, Or little, I say little miracles, not that there are any little ones really, but like a... Uh, cold leaving in a day or a back being healed or things that aren't necessarily like huge bone cancer, Greg, all the amazing stories, but they're 
healings nonetheless, right? Lots of forgiveness and deliverance happening lately. When God's people gather together and pray, we can expect miracles. And that's what we're going to do today. But instead of me doing all the praying, we're going to pray over each other. Here are just a few of the steps that I do see that we can follow for healing ministry. And I believe these will be on the screen. This is actually what's listed in our altar, in our prayer team manual, okay? How you pray for healing. And I want to give this to you today because remember, I'm not just raising your faith for healing, but to pray for healing for others. Here's a way to do that. First, you introduce yourself. Ask what to pray for. Pray specifically. People will often come to me at the altar and say, can you pray for something? And I say, yes, how would you like me to pray? And they're like, well, just, you know, pray for the cancer, whatever. Okay, but how would you like to see it healed? (laughs) Because a lot of times people have in their minds a a very different prayer request than you do. I want to pray that God will fall on them and, and heal them miraculously, and they just wanted me to pray over a surgery. Right, so ask what to pray for specifically so you can be in agreement about it. Number two, heal them in the name of Jesus. Pray with faith, but don't pray long. I love that. Because I don't see any long prayers for healing throughout the Gospels and the book of Acts. They're not going on and on for hours. They speak to the thing, say it's cancer. We speak to you, cancer, in Jesus' name. We cast you out. You have no authority here in this body. In Jesus' name, we call you whole, healthy. Amen. Right? Because again, it's not your words that are doing the healing. Jesus is the healer. God is the healer. We're just the conduit for that. So we pray with faith. We don't have to pray long. Heal them in the name of Jesus. And then step back and test it if you can. Test it. Or, you know, in Africa one time uh, at a Mission SOS festival, I prayed over a woman whose ear, she couldn't hear out of it. And I remember putting my hand on her ear, praying in Jesus' name, just like I was trained. And we stepped back and I said, okay, can you hear that? No. All right, let's pray again. We, We prayed again. I said, can you hear that? No. And I prayed a third time. And the third time, tears started pouring down her face. She could hear it. Right? I don't know why. I don't know why it was three times. I don't think it's always three, you know? There is not that kind of formula to this. I just know we prayed, we tested it, and she was healed. Step back and test it if you can. Challenge them in faith to test it. It may be that you send them out still not healed, but continuing to pray. That's fine. But oftentimes, God will move in those moments. Just don't be afraid to test it, right? Don't pray and then say, okay, well, hopefully this week. Pray again. Test it. Number four, if healed, celebrate together, document the healing, write down what happened, and let a pastor know that's for ministry around the altars so we can celebrate with them, right? Let somebody know, though. Celebrate. Remember, I honestly believe that this series is about us going outside of the walls and doing this kind of ministry and then coming back in and celebrating them together. That's the kind of church that is my dream to be. That we don't just come in here around these altars asking God to do things here, but we're doing them out there. We are the ones doing them all throughout our communities and our workplaces. Right? Just to 
give you some more stories and raise your faith a little more. I was healed personally at least once, probably more throughout my lifetime, but I, uh, I've always had jaw issues, like it clicks and I grind my teeth and whatever. And when I was probably late teenager, maybe early 20s, it was starting to give me real headaches, like all day long headaches. I was always clenching and very tight. And I think it was Johannes, but I can't remember exactly. Um, but we were at a service and I felt called to go up and be prayed over. People lay their hands on me and we prayed. And I walked out of that place and I never had a headache since. My jaw still clicks weirdly. But I have never had one headache since that day. The, the pain it was completely gone. Right? I again, I don't... I don't have a formula for why these things happen when they do. I just believe God when he says that he is the healer. And if it weren't for a disciple of Jesus speaking healing over me that day, I'd still be suffering. But we are called to go into the world and do this. Pray over the sick and see them healed. As Jesus followers, we have to stop letting fear hold us back. Let doubt hold us back and just move in faith. Not in a pushy, manipulative way. Just believing that God can do what he says he's going to do. That he is the healer. And he wants that for you. I, I do think we make it too much about us a lot of times. It's not about me. When I lay my hands on people, it's not about me. It's just that the, the fact that the Bible says... Lay your hands on the sick. So I do, right? It's about the power of the word. Too many of us are, are waiting for God to make a move, but he's already told us what to do. We just have to go do it. I love that Stephen Furtick song where he, he yells, we're not waiting on a move of God. We are the move of God. Now, I think that's the spirit of this series. We are the move of God in our world. There's so many Christians I see right now praying, God, let revival fall. Revival starts within us. We can have revival in our lives any day we want by just being obedient, actually obedient, getting into the word every single day, letting God be your healer, your provider, your deliverer, your rescuer. He wants that for you. Today we're going to practice this. Are you ready? Can we do this together? Let's stand. <coughs> Father, today I just pray that you would miraculously fall in this place. That, that we would be able to humble ourselves before you. That we would understand who you are and put you in the right place in our lives. God, today specifically, I ask that the sick would be healed, the injured would be healed, that those who are suffering physically, you would set us free. That's why you came, Jesus, 2,000 years ago on that cross. You came to set us free from the consequences of sin in all its forms. God, set us free. Break the chains. We bind anything in this room today that may want to interfere with that. Bind anything in Jesus' name that is causing us to be sick. God, let your peace, your wholeness, your health be just breathed into the room today. In Jesus' name.
some of you today will be healed. And I just ask that you would just close your eyes, stretch your hands out, focus in on, on what Jesus wants to do. Receive the healing today. Begin to prepare your heart. Just between you and God, ask him for what it is that you need. While we do that, you have something else to share with us about this. Yeah. <clears throat> so she talked about the kidney failure. One thing I want to um, make clear is that it's not about you, what she said. When I was sick, we had all these worship nights and prayer nights that we started, I, I think, for healing for me. And so I was in the hospital when they started happening. But I remember getting here and I was able to play worship. And I remember standing right here and watching people get healed, but not me. And it was like a moment where I had to decide, okay, am I angry about this? Or am I, am I going to be grateful that the Holy Spirit is moving in their lives and I'm just a conduit for that to happen? Right. So when we're praying today, if you're sick, if you're believing for healing, if you're believing for deliverance or whatever you're believing for, don't allow your own problems to get in the way of someone else's healing. That's good. Don't be a roadblock for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Father, we just, once again, we ask you for healing in this place. We ask that you would give us the wisdom to know how to handle all that. Give us, make us that vibrant, passionate, selfless church that we would be available to pray over others even as we're struggling ourselves and that you would be in each and every one of those interactions. In Jesus' name. So how we're going to do this today is, is I don't want to call you forward necessarily because, again, it's not, not something I am providing to you. We're going to pray over each other, okay? But I do want to know who in the room is struggling or asking God for healing specifically. I already see some hands raised. If you're asking God for a physical touch, healing for something, put your hand up high. Now I'm going to ask the rest of you to just surround them. Can you do that? Hopefully you don't all don't mind. We're going to lay our hands on you, surround you with faith, with prayers. And I'm going to stop speaking for a little bit. And I want you all to be the ones that are speaking up and praying. Can we do that together? All right, I'll start us off. Father, we ask you that your holy, healing, restorative power would fall in this room. That you would be present among us. That as we step out in obedience, we just begin to see your Holy Spirit fall, that we would walk into that presence and power. Jesus, touch our bodies right now. We speak to those bodies and we call them whole in Jesus' name. We call them healthy in Jesus' name. We cast out anything that will, is causing destruction or sickness or pain in our bodies. We ask you for wholeness health. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.